Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are the MI guys here. We have Casey Jackson, our director. Hello. And good to be John here. <laughs> what did you say? I said, good to be here. <laughs> good. And we are the MI guys coming at you with the communication solution, this podcast here that is intended to help you with serving the individuals, the organizations, and the communities that you serve to help improve your outcomes, particularly from a motivational interviewing lens, as that is our specialty. And so today, Casey is going to get into leadership and improving outcomes and the different facets of that. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways we can take this, Casey. This is a shorter podcast today. We do have a longer podcast on MI and leadership for those that would like to check that out. We will link to that. But for those that are here to learn about improving outcomes with leadership, there are different organizations we've worked with. Yep. Where do you even want to start with all of that to kind of start us in that direction of outcome improvement? You know, I, I think for me, it's I'll just start from what just recent recently happened from our supervisor support group. Um, we're supervisors in different fields that are, you know, really gravitate towards motivational interviewing. We get together once a month and they want to be able to continue to look at issues and kind of decompress and vent through an MI lens um, and continue to feel their professional development from that perspective. So I'm lucky enough to be able to work some, some amazing um, managers and executive leaders in that role. And what strikes me about it was this particular topic about, you know, how do I as a leader help support my team in improving their outcomes. It, it really is an interesting, you know, dance that people have to, you know, work themselves through in a supervisory or leadership role because so much of the time there's just genuine pressure to make sure that outcomes occur, you know, and that's, that's part of your role is how do I support my team to make sure that that happens. What we know is that the more pressure there is to improve outcomes, the more people gravitate or lean into a compliance-based model. And when you lean into compliance-based models, it can have a significant impact on you know, morale and other issues. And there's all sorts of fallout from compliance-based models. Um, you know, HR tends to get involved. They're just, it, it just tends to create kind of a convoluted mess in those situations like that so often, not always, but so often. And from an MI lens, what we're trying to do is orchestrate you know, behavior change or improved outcomes based on people's desires to make sure their behavior lines up with the vision, mission, and values of the organization. So on paper, at least, it seems like, you know, MI is kind of a perfect approach because what we are trying to do is get people more focused on is my behavior in this situation really aligning with my professional goals and with the goals, vision, values of the organization. So so you can see that it looks relatively straightforward. You just have a conversation. How can I support you in you being the best version of yourself professionally? And if people are being the best version of themselves and we hired well, then the outcomes really should come. So it, that's an incredibly oversimplified perspective, but that's the on paper, the basic formula when you look at motivational interviewing through this lens. Well, absolutely. And this is where, you know, people like, ourselves that have exposure to motivational interviewing in organizational change, we can see that it's like, well, yeah, it should improve the outcomes because we've seen it improve outcomes. So I'm, I'm curious to kind of go there for those that are listening to this that haven't seen motivational interviewing in organizations or are skeptical, or isn't this just a, a clinical, you know, approach? I know you speak to that in the larger um, podcast we do, but like, what are some of the out, 
outcome improvements? Are you going to have less recidivism rates? Are you going to have increased employee engagement? What sort of productivity? Like, what are you actually improving here with motivational interviewing? That's that's a hard outcome with this soft skill, you know? <laughs> well, I, again, it's it's so easy from the kind of the, the paper ivory tower perspective to to answer that because you're going to see improvement in whatever you're measuring. Um, so, you know, that's what we target you know, targets for improvement is what's being measured is what tends to get attention. So what are your data points that you're tracking to see where your improvements are going to be? If you're tracking data points, specific improvements or productivity measures, and that's where we're putting your energy and helping the individual get their behavior in alignment with being able to do the best of their ability to have that come to fruition, that's an MI-based approach. So the hard data side of it, we, you know, we've seen those improvements like in law enforcement, you know, the reduction in use of force, um, um, increases in um, accommodations from, or not accommodations, but, um, oh, what's the word? Um, oh, I lost the word. Instead of complaints that they're giving positive feedback instead of complaints, giving kudos to the, the police. police force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those outcomes within, you know, employment services, what, what we've seen consistently is, you know, people getting into jobs and maintaining jobs significantly higher rates. Um, we look at mental health, you know, increases in people taking their medications as prescribed, you know, reductions, smoking cigarettes or taking illicit drugs, um, you know, those kind of things, whatever you're measuring and you're focusing on using motivational learning to help with those outcomes, consistently you see those improvements, which is why there are, you know, hundreds, thousands of um, not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds or thousands or thousands of research articles on MI that when used to fidelity, you know, is a pretty effective tool for Im improving outcomes. So, so okay, yeah, this is this is important too. If you're talking about the difference of short-term outcomes and long-term outcomes, which could be its own discussion as well, if you wanted to riff off of that. But I will say that. It, there is something that's really critical to what you just said of fidelity, because that's where the, the hundreds of randomized clinical controlled trials, which are even stronger than the other many thousands of others yes. go with, which are, are great. But it's just they're showing that this fidelity thing matters. So if someone's wanting to improve outcomes and they're really wanting to see that in their organizations, they want to see these sorts of outcomes. Would you speak to like what it means to have fidelity versus not and what short-term versus long-term outcomes kind of are in all this? Well, like you're talking about with the studies, there's been studies of the studies and what they find of those studies of the studies is that often we're not checking to see if people are actually using measurable motivational interviewing. If, you know, we talk about it on their fidelity, you know, podcast before, you know, you're taking a bite of Mrs. Fields cookie to see does it taste exactly like every Miss Fields cookie, you know, all across the country. And if it doesn't, there's something not quite right. So that's fidelity. So when you check a lot of motivational interviewing, it may not be done completely to Mrs. Fields cookies recipe. Like you've got to stick to the recipe if it's going to taste exactly like Mrs. Fields, you're going to get that outcome. It's the same thing with motivational interviewing. If you don't stick to fidelity-based motivational interviewing, you're not guaranteed to have the same outcome. So, which is why we lean so heavy into teaching fidelity-based motivational interviewing is we want people to get the outcomes associated if they're gonna pour resources into it. Which then when you tie that into the complexity for leaders to support their staff in their teams and being able to produce better outcomes, what it is is how clearly are the outcomes we're seeking 
actually even aligned with our vision, mission, and value statement that are hanging on poster, you know, in a lobby. So, because a lot of times what it is, is it's based on changes in policy. It's based on changes in funding stream. And if we're chasing those things and there's viable reasons for doing that, that could have an impact on outcomes or productivity. So it, which is then it's harder to support your team because then you're trying to explain to them or justify or rationalize why there's a change in the, in the, um, in our process or our structure or expectations because the tides have changed or the winds have changed which means yes, it allows for adaptability, but fundamentally are our behaviors aligned with you know, our vision, mission, and values? And if they're not, then you're gonna have not only administration blaming outside themselves, but you're also gonna have the workforce making excuses and blaming outside themselves. So, so you can see that it, it's not a, a particularly difficult apple cart to overturn, um, with just a couple of nudges in changes in policy or changes in um, kind of approaches or funding streams. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, this is this is really interesting too because there's bound to be people listening to this that are like, okay, this is all making a ton of sense. You know, I'm I'm aligning. Obviously, I'm used to you know we we always got this change coming, and I do will blame or other people blame outside themselves, and I'm getting all of that. Then I'm thinking from this perspective of okay. Uh, what about, you know, is MI a, a silver bullet then that if I implement this, it's going <laughs> to fix everything because that's kind of what it's sounding like. So how does that factor in? It's going to improve all outcomes or how how can I start thinking about this and pitching this if I were aligning with this? And not only that, like what's the ROI on this thing? Because I, I'm aligning with what you're saying maybe or some people are and I, I really need to pitch this in certain ways. And so what is the ROI and what is it really doing in our organizations? Well, it's predictable that at some point, if I'm talking, that we're going to get into analogies. So I mean, that's just predictable and probable, right? Um, so and many people resonate. <laughs> yes, and and what I've got to say is, you know, as soon as you say that, John, the first thing I think of is the world that you work in. You know, that you you love to exist in, and I just think of physical health. And I think when you ask me about what's your ROI, so if I was a personal trainer and you came in and said, well, yeah, I'm thinking about working with you, but what's my ROI? And I think, well, depends on your eye. What are you going to invest? Your return on your investment is going to be exactly what you put into it. What happens is people go a quarter of the way or a tenth of the way or you know 50% of the way and they're frustrated they don't get the outcomes they wanted. That's not on the model. That's on your investment in the model. So what we know is if you go to full fidelity at all levels, outcomes will improve. That is why it is an evidence-based practice. That is an evidence-based practice. So by the evidence, if you follow it, you will have improvements in your outcomes. But so when you say ROI, I think, well, it just comes down to what are you willing to invest? If you invest a ton into it, if you invest 100%, you're going to get a return on your investment. You're going to get improved outcomes. The, the, and, and again, to not underplay it or to minimize the level of complexity, there are so many moving pieces that will distract this and will put energy into that mathematically it is not going to yield a positive outcome, but a ton of energy and resources are poured into distractions that take us off of our focus, which is the same whether it's for an individual or for an organization. So the math or the calculus of this is the same whether we're talking an individual or organization and the level of complexity is the same whether we're talking about an individual or an organization. There's just so many moving pieces that can distract us and how do we help a team stay focused is you know, a critical, critical construct in that. 
um, and to be able to manage the ambivalence that comes up when either the, the organization's behavior or the team member's behavior is not aligned with the vision, mission, or values. So, so I mean, there's just, again, there's the micro level and the macro level, you can look at this. When I, when I try to distill it down to what I think part of the point of this podcast is, is as a team leader, then what do I do? So given all that, what do I do? And what it is, is the mastery of some of the most critical skills in motivation from my perspective on motivational interviewing, which means the more attached you get to the outcome as a leader, the more attached, you know, that your fingernails dug into it, the more attached you are, the more it's going to generate resistance or pushback from other people. If you're overly attached to the to that outcome and trying to push it, per physics, you will get some level of pushback, whether it's overt or covert. And what's the most difficult thing for managers to deal with? The underlying covert resistance or the passive aggressiveness that can happen within a team. And the harder you push, the more it's going to generate that. It is just physics. So those are the things that I look at, which means we take some of the basic skills or thoughts in MI, like you know, thinking about equipoise, thinking about writing reflex from this perspective, and knowing that if I'm triggering those things because I'm getting so attached, that I can actually generate the paradoxical effect and get the outcomes that I'm not looking for, where my team members start to become more agitated, more passive aggressive, um, look like they're underperforming. On paper, they're underperforming, but what am I orchestrating or inadvertently creating as a leader that's actually feeding into a negative outcome. And so what do I wanna do? I wanna blame outside myself and make excuses. So I can blame my team members or make excuses to executive leadership, why numbers aren't where they need to be. So, I mean, it, it, the, again, the calculus is the calculus. The complexity as a human being to navigate it is, is probably as complex it was for you to pass calculus when you're in high school. I mean, it just, it just depends on how well your brain works around that math. Um, and how, how uh, effective is your skill set? You know, because this is a, you know, the, the more complex it is, the more complex the skill set it is. It's like I've always said, you know, in trainings for people, and they say, well, how long does it take to get there? What, what is going to be my ROI? And I think, you know, if you're just trying to have a, not just, but if you're having a conversation with somebody that's completely financially stable, solid family, um, solid income, life is good, uh, and they're, they're thinking about quitting smoking, MI is a relatively straightforward method of communication. You, now, you, now you take it to an individual who may be living under a bridge with multiple complex comorbid issues, um, you know, with addiction and mental health and probably other health factors, MI becomes a little more tricky. Like your skill set needs to be commensurate with level of complexity. Now put it in an organizational realm when you're working with another person and you're attached to their outcomes. It gets, you know, it gets actually more complex as you would expect. So it goes from more mathematics to more calculus. And, it, and if your brain can work through that calculus or this is where the ROI comes in, if you want to put the effort into learning and mastering the skill set, you will have improved outcomes because the evidence shows that you will. So that's, that's a long answer to ROI, <laughs> but... But and that's yeah. the calculus behind the ROI. Yes, yes, and it's it's very um, uh, meta and analogous to bringing this back down into where they can go from here to get micro if they want for actionable items, because you're getting at that. Well, okay, if I want to see these sorts of things, 
I got to focus on myself and my own communication skill set uh, with, in this case, motivational interviewing to see those outcomes. I got to implement it with practice and feedback. That's what the andragogy, the teaching of the teaching of MI shows us is that if we're going to take responsibility to be more able to respond, it's up to me to take that responsibility, like you're saying, as the leader, as the supervisor, which means me seeking feedback in certain ways, in this case, in an evidence-based practice that has been shown to improve outcomes. And so I just want to say, since we're kind of a little bit over time, I want to wrap this to a close just to bring this to, if you're interested in this and Casey riffs off of this in much more specific ways with specific outcomes with other organizations we've talked about, he talks about it in many other sorts of facets you do with um, kind of organizational change and leadership in our other podcast. You can listen to that as well as there's a whole supervisory series that we're doing for, for supervisors and leaders that you are involved with. We'll have a, a whole sure. course that we're creating around that. So as we're wrapping this one up, I just wanted to point people to that. We'll have links to this stuff. Is there anything else though, as we bring this to a close case that you would wanna say for any other pieces of this puzzle or any other calls to action or anything you would invite? Well, the thing that I would just kind of summarize it with just to try to pull it in more of a succinct picture with it is, if you hired the right person who genuinely wants to do the right thing, if, if you genuinely believe they believe in the vision, mission, the values of the organization, if you, and if you believe that they have the, the basic skill set to do it, then as a leader, what you're orchestrating is how do I remove the barriers? How do I provide the supports and the resources so they become the best professional version of themselves? If you're doing that, by definition, you're a good leader. And the skill set you can acquire through motivational interviewing can augment what you already have and give you a mastery of communication on how to help people get there. So, so, so for me, that's, it goes back to the ROI thing. What I think of is what is your willingness, even listening to the podcast, to submit an audio recording to see if you can get better, um, to get the coding and coaching it needs to get better. So to shift from the philosophical, theoretical side of it into what do you have control over? What you have control over is increasing your knowledge base, but ultimately comes down to increasing your skill set, which is what we have so many opportunities for people to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely well we'll definitely link to any and all of those resources we have for you after this but for those of you that are listening um, you can reach out to uh, tammy.calais for any questions or other things you might be interested in that's t-a-m-i dot c-a-l-a-i-s tammy calais at ifisc.com and she will be your point of contact person for anything that you're interested in with this. But like we always say, we have other things that are free, like the podcast to point you to. We have the supervised series. So if you're getting value out of this, hopefully there's some options for you. And if not, ask us, challenge us, let's talk about it. And that's what we're here to do is to be of service to you. So with that, we'll wrap this shorter podcast saying that ultimately we're here to serve you and that we're trying to be the communication solution that will change your world. And in so doing, We'll sign off for the day and thank you, Casey, for your perspective. Absolutely. Thank you.